0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome.
1: Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Michael Fueling, Pastor Michael, with you in the studio with my wife, Brianne. Brian, how old are you today?
0: Older than I was Monday morning. My
1: goodness. She just had a birthday on Monday. So if you see my wife, wish her a happy birthday, say, thanks, we love you, and ask her how old she is. I'll give you a hint. She's not in her 40s yet. <laughs> e, e, e. All right. So today we're going to be answering the question, how do I reclaim control of my teenager's technology? Brian, we're going to leave it as an open slate. Let's talk.
0: All right. So I think the first step in reclaiming control of your teenager's technology is to repent. And I think a lot of this takes an assessment of your own heart to be able to say, okay, what did I know I could have been doing better and didn't do? Or what what was I just so ignorant on that I just had no idea what, where this would lead us?
1: So what you're telling me is that if I'm a mom or dad and I didn't know any better, I still need to apologize and change.
0: Absolutely. And yes. sometimes that apology looks like saying, hey, I didn't even know where this could take us. I didn't even know that we could get to this point. Mm-hmm. And that breaks my heart. But now we still need to do something different.
1: Yep. What if I had that little voice in my head that said, I should probably deal with this. This is probably not going to go well.
0: That's part of the repentance is that God has tried to nudge. And I've talked to so many parents who have seen that. And um, we did an interview during the parents' night with one of our college-age students who has had a pretty severe technology addiction through junior high and high school. And, And he would say that his parents would try to address it so many times with him, but he would he knew he could if he just put up a bigger fight he would exhaust them kind of in yep. the in the front that they were trying to wage against it and so i think that that's any kind of addictive story right yep. is if i can exhaust the people who are trying to step in and intervene then i can keep doing what i want to do
1: and any addict when you take away their drug any idol worshipper when you take away their idol mess, they're, and they're going to fight freak.
0: for it it's actually, by the way, also a diagnostic category, right? So if we take something away from some people and they freak out, so like if your child is playing a game and you take the phone away from them or the iPad or we ask them to turn off the TV or ask them to take their earbuds out of their ears and they have that kind of emotional reaction, that is a diagnostic tool also for us to be able to say, okay, this this is so it's not out of okay. Place. It's out of place. It's out of its proper we gotta, place. we got to put it back in its proper place.
1: Yep. So number one is? Repent. Repent. That's
0: good. What's number two. Number two, okay, so there is a lot of things like now, that's number one. Number two, through whatever we're going to talk about, all kind of now fall into a category of being on the same level. And so I think one of the greatest things that we have to be able to do to reclaim technologies, I kind of just talked about it, but is to be able to diagnose, okay, what is at the heart of this problem, right? Because none of these devices are the problem. It is the heart behind the user that is the problem. So that's part of technology. In drug culture, we love to be able to look at the people's drug of choice in counseling to be able to see what they're trying to accomplish and get from that drug because that gives us great insight into their hearts and what they're pining after. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit the same when we look at technology to be able to say like, okay, is it video games? So they're getting to be powerful and make um, alternative personas where they get to be in control and they're winning all these levels or all these shenanigans because it's they don't really know what you're losing something that's valuable to, in video to them games. exactly it's feeding something that's valuable to them and actually like has a direct correlation back yep. to them is it social media and they are they love Snapchatting more than anything else because it gives them the freedom of being like having that attention and being seen and being known but only for a second and so it gives them the freedom to feel like they can be hidden in what they're doing right mm. and so there's so many different things we can look at different apps we can look at different ways that people are using technology and that should all be a diagram agnostic tool for us to be able to look at our teenager's heart and to be able to see, okay, what part of this is going to And so one of the things I will say also is that the concept that teenagers are in the midst of identity formation, and that has been for millennia, a gigantic process, to say the least, if not use the word struggle for most people to make it through their teenage years without a good degree of angst and growth that happens in that. And then the fact that now we've, often given them unfettered and unhindered technology in that is just one of the worst concoctions possible. Mm. And so I think for parents, that's also super important for us to think about in the diagnostic part of it is, okay, what is going on in their heart that they, they don't even know who they are. Maybe they don't even know what they're valuable. They don't even know how to approach the world, to interact with the world in the confidence of who God has made them to be. Mm-hmm. And so technology numbs and creates all sorts of bridges for that, that are cheap substitutions for the real things that our children need to be learning.
1: Yep. So uh, imagine I have a kid and my kid, oh. 16 years old, my kid has been, uh, had un, unfettered, and untethered access to tech, right? I realize there's a problem. And I, I need to make this problem right because it happened under my watch, right? And I'm I'm responsible for this. This is I'm gonna be accountable to God for this mm-hmm. kid. Uh, I can't control what he does, but I can control the environments that I put him in. Mm-hmm. When I come to him and I apologize, I'm just picking him, I'm taking a boy, mm-hmm. whatever. He's 16 years old, he's a boy. And I apologize to him. There, there's a lot more in that moment that needs to be said because I think honestly, before I go sit down with him and say, I'm sorry, um, I want to diagnose the problems.
0: Right.
1: And I want to be able to right. look at him and say, listen, I have a vision for your life. Totally. And my vision for your life really does come from from the Word of God. There are things I want for you. Mm-hmm. And there are practical things that you need to be able to do in this world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's my job to make sure that when you leave this home, you have every resource you need to succeed socially, academically, spiritually, character, skills, the list goes yep. on and on. By 16 years old, you should be able to do X, Y, Z. These are some things Mm -hmm. you should be able. And I understand every kid's different to a degree, son. But like, you should be able to go into a group of men, shake hands, look them in the eyes, and have a reasonable conversation. Those are not unrealistic things. I know for you they're petrifying, but the reason they're petrifying is because I didn't develop you.
0: Also, though, I think in their hearts too, be able to say like, and you should be able to know like who you are. And so when other people say things mm-hmm. about you, like that shouldn't shake you to the core yep. because their voice isn't as important as the voice of God and the people yep. who love you.
1: These are things that we're supposed to train and develop in them. And so imagine this first conversation, and this is going to be the biggest one, because you're not just repenting for what you didn't do. You're also repenting for the things you didn't grow in them. And mm-hmm. that's a hard conversation because it could re- be received like, what are you telling me? There's something wrong with me. And the hard part about tech-addicted kids is, yes, there is something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And until we acknowledge that, not a lot can happen. And so in that same meeting, you and your spouse may have to do this together. And if you're a single parent, then you do this with maybe maybe the people, the authorities, maybe you live with your mom and dad, maybe you guys all have to get on the same page about this, right? But if you are not unified with your spouse in this, it's going to be really hard to implement. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that you have to come prepared with in this conversation is a diagnosis Uh, a heart of repentance, and some initial next steps, but also chances for open discussions and dialogue.
0: Right. And what you just said, though, too, part of what you just said is also setting a vision for them for who they're created to be and what they're created to be able to do. So because I think a lot of times kids don't—well, I know this. This is actually 100%. A lot of times adolescents particularly do not have a vision for life outside of living on these devices. And so— because they don't see a lot of other people doing it either. So they don't have a vision for what that looks like. And so a lot of what you just said is that you have to set a vision for them for what their life could look like. And I'm not saying that's going to make them be like, yes, let's do it. Although I will say every client that I've had that is an adolescent that has had some degree of intervention in their technology, whether it's because of pornography, whether it's because of bullying, whether it's because of all sorts of different things, there has been a huge part of them at that time that secretly, very secretly, very secretly, very in the recesses of their heart, was like, "Thank you."
1: Yep. Because they, they know they want to be normal. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to look, even though to they are normal, honestly, in some yeah. degrees.
0: So, like the, the society and the culture of what's going on. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. But I, they they want to be able but to but do things, things that they see calling. adults doing. Right. They want to be able to
0: like right. go get a but job. But I don't think the do Lord things. gives up on their heart, and I think He right. speaks even to their hearts to be able to call them towards who they're supposed to be, and so they have that kind of tension inside of them. And so it's in some ways freeing up that voice that's only been given that little one or 2% window mm-hmm. to be able to grow and to be able to yep. flourish and be able to develop into a man or woman.
1: Yep. I really believe that if someone is going to reclaim technology, there are a few pre-steps they have to take. One is they have to be on the same page with their spouse. Ideally, if they're not, they need to come to an agreement about some things that they're going to be doing. Yep. They have compromise. to be talking, mm-hmm. compromise and a compromise in circumstances like this may mean it doesn't go as fast, but that's where the Lord is going to have to fight for you mm-hmm. and for your son or daughter. Uh, I really think getting external help before you talk to your son or daughter is going to be really relevant from somebody who loves mm -hmm. kids and understands strategy and Mm -hmm. getting help from a counselor to help you put together a plan to address this and taking into consideration some of the strong reactions that they're Mm -hmm. going to have immediately, honoring them as people who are valuable, whose opinions and feelings matter because they may have some nuances to the scenario that you're not aware of.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think also one of the things that you just kind of touched on also is that it legitimately in their perspective and in it, there's a lot of empathy that has to happen in here. So I think a lot of parents have these conversations when they're frustrated in the moment and they really shoot themselves in the foot yep. for not being intentional and calm and like super loving in the way that they approach this.
1: Even sometimes writing an extensive ahead of time. letter and letting mm-hmm. them read it in their presence. Yep.
0: Oh, I love letters with adolescents because I think that they, and then they can revisit it. They can feel like one thing the first time and be like, I can't believe you'd said that. But then they can revisit what you actually said when they yep. calm down and see it from a different frame of mind. One of the things you talked about oh, when our children were as little, I think someone lost a balloon. I forget exactly how, how this came. And the balloon was lost up into the air and you had said, um, but fundamentally there was a lot of tears and a lot of emotion I don't remember if it was by our, our child or another child and one of the things you had said is like fundamentally that is like all of the cash in my wallet and like everything that I own just floating up into the sky that was and not Brian Reagan. he said if you ever oh, seen yeah. a kid lose a balloon <laughs> yeah. you're like what the heck
1: it's like let's look at an adult saying there's my wallet yeah, oh no. yeah.
0: and so like, that empathy <laughs> for their position is super important and yeah. so when you're asking a child to change some of this behavior that they feel is the direct social connection yeah. that they have to any kind of life any kind yeah. Kind of possibility. Yeah. Of Everything that is normal and everyday for normal, them. You're asking a lot from them and, and you need to because it's worth it to protect your child from the direction that this is beginning to take them in. Mm-hmm. But yet there is a great deal of empathy and compassion that has to go into that situation to be able to say, I know what I'm asking you to do. Yet at the same time, it's worth it and we still have to pursue that. Yep. And so one of the things that Andy Crouch talks about in his book, Techwise Parenting by Barn Research Group, that we talked a lot about in the parenting night. Haley brought this up, our communications director who is part of the panel, and she had said one of his suggestions, and I think this is a great place for parents to reclaim technology, is to begin to implement a technology Sabbath. And so it starts with one hour a day, then works into one hour a day plus one one day a week, then works into one hour a day plus one day a week plus one week a year. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to say, okay, so there's actually going to be a space and time where technology does not own it, own us. And the book he talks about, you know, like even finding not, not as a legalistic thing, not as anything, but, but fun and celebratory to be able to say like, Hey, let's not even use the lights. Let's just use candles. Mm. You know, let's figure out how we can play board games instead of watching TV together. Let's figure out how we can give technology a rest and a Sabbath so that, with the purpose of spending time together. Mm. And so a lot of times people pick that one hour a day to be during dinner and time right before or afterwards. And so that is a time where everyone has the opportunity to be able to separate from that. Mm. One of the things I also love is um, there's a teacher at a local high school and when children would come, adolescents would come into his classroom at the beginning of the year, he'd have them take shoe boxes and make them into phone beds. Mm. And so every time you came into his classroom, you took your phone and you tucked it in and you covered it up with this little blanket and you made it into kind of a funny, but very intentional spot to be able to keep your phone yep. and to be able to do that. And so I think even some silly ideas that families could wrap their minds around to be able to talk about mm. the Sabbath of our technology and to be able to use that would be great ideas.
1: I think when your kids are younger, especially you can make any rules you want. You can have a rule that says we're just not a TV household. You can have a rule that says, uh, no, you get phones ten minutes a day." You you can actually like this whole idea of 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 uh, one hour a day, but the rest of the hours of the day you can have tech. That's like a, a that's like a way of working backwards in. But like you actually can build your home from a really solid foundation. And I love the idea that sometimes parents watch TV together or whatever, but they already know they don't want their kids to develop a 30 hour a week habit. So they just say like our men's ministry director said no screens until the kids are asleep. Mm -hmm. And that's a really fair, really helpful approach uh, because we have the ability to control ourselves, you know, more so at least we would hope we do. But if you have younger kids go bold, Mm -hmm. make some big decisions, Mm -hmm. create spaces that are tech free. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying one hour a day, how about you have... The opposite kind of rule, which is you know, only for 30 minutes a day are we allowed to use right. screens.
0: There's an invitation in all those. And so as I was younger and even now, I, I have never enjoyed rules without an understanding of why they're there. And so I think that's one of the biggest opportunities that we have also is to be able to bring our children in and, and be able to say, I know that you may not be able to see that this is better at this point, but it is better. And that's what we're going to be trying to shape and trying to call you towards is what is better.
1: All so right. Let's summarize. I got a parent and they know they need to have a really difficult conversation and some big changes Mm -hmm. need to be made.
0: It begins with their own heart change and repenting and trying to own the parts of this hot mess that they have contributed to. Okay. Diagnosing what the heart of their children is longing for and going after and the way that they are particularly and individually using technology and then offering them a vision of something that's better.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Being able to say, hey, you know what? Just as Jesus is better than so many things, how can we offer you better things into your life too? And then I think also beginning to take a very tangible first step is being able to take the Sabbath rest from technology, starting with one hour a day, Mm -hmm. one day a week, and then one week a year, and being able to break up with that technology and just being able to engage in life technology-free and to be able to engage with the people around us and to be able to taste what it is to be better and enjoy that.
1: I would add to that before you have the conversation, get really good counsel. Mm -hmm. If you do write a letter, have somebody else read that letter first, tell you how it comes across because Mm -hmm. you're going to have pent up um, irritation towards your son or daughter for their addiction, realizing that the vast majority of the time we've created the monster by not engaging the Mm -hmm. issue earlier. Mm -hmm. And then big picture is every kid's detox might look different. You, You may need to, for example, here's a simple rule. There should never be a computer or a screen in a bedroom alone, ever, mm-hmm. ever. It shouldn't even be in there. That's just a flat rule. Well, that might be a huge life-altering change right. for someone. And even the, the screen time rule that you just talked about assumes other things have taken place Absolutely. like that. It assumes that some of the um, issues, some of the larger issues have been dealt with. It assumes other rules like, for example, here's a principle that just guides me. I don't, when I'm talking with another person, I don't look at my phone. It's just that simple. Mm -hmm. They are the most important person in the world to me in that moment. And so like in that moment, I give them the honor they deserve. If I do, it's because I might be waiting for a text or call from you, you know? Um, I try not even to look at it. That's why the iWatch actually gets me away from my phone and allows me to not really take my eyes or or focus off of you and see what's actually happening if I really need to know something. So there are things like that that somehow we have to be prepared for some of these big decisions just to kind of level the situation out. And um, I I really do think that that conversation with a counselor, a pastor, a leader, a really competent person who's committed to the vision that you have for your kid and your repentance can be just life-changing and give you support. And likely there's probably another couple or two Um, that you know that probably should be doing the same thing. And maybe you guys are doing this together um, as a commitment to your children, a repentance to your God, being good stewards of this amazing gift that God has given you to raise a son or daughter uh, and help form Christ in Mm -hmm. them. It's a beautiful privilege. And Mm -hmm. so you may go to a couple other parents and say, I don't know if your kids have this issue. Here's what I need to work on. Would you help me? Mm -hmm. Um, Get people praying for you because this is a battle for their heart." and their mind and it's worth it and their skills and their future and their ability to socialize and work and ev- everything there's so much at stake it's worth it. it's mm-hmm. worth the fight so Brian, thank you for joining us mm-hmm. come back with us we're gonna have a couple special guests we're gonna talk through some more of the technological specifics of things that we should be looking for as parents some of the app details and uh, I really think this is gonna be a nitty gritty beneficial episode thanks for joining us see you guys later